Welcome to my Parsha Shir this week for Parshas Vayakhel. I'm going to jump right in to the first posuk of this week's Parsha, of the portion Vayakhel. We're going to be looking at the Mikdash Halevi, my grandfather's Sefer. Some beautiful ideas put together here in this wonderful Sefer. Vayakhel Moshe Kaladas B'nei Israel. Moshe gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel. Vayom Alem, and he said to them, these are the things that God commanded you to do. And this, says the Gemara, is the source of the 39 melochus, the 39 restrictions that we have, the limitations that are imposed on Shabbos, things that you're not allowed to do. And the source of this restriction of these 39 restrictions exist, is this posuk. Yodua says the Mikdash Halevi, it's well known, ki b'milim eile hadvorim, with the words eile hadvorim, these are the things, remuzim shloishim utesha ovois, the ovois melocha, the 39 headings in terms of activities that are prohibited on Shabbos, Shenes, Shabbos, if you look at in Meseches Shabbos, Daf Tzadi Zayin Omad Beis, and it explains it as follows, Hamila Eile, the word Eile is 36, is Gematria 36. Devorim. The word Devorim, things, connotes two. Why is that? Shekein miut rabim shnaim. The smallest number that is in the plural is two. So Devorim, a Dovor is a thing. Devorim is things. And the minimum number of things that you have is two. So now we have 38. For oid echod meribu loshen Devorim. And there's a further one that is added to this number. We have 38 so far. Why? Because we use the uh, word, we don't use the word dvorim, we add the hey, the beginning of hadvorim, that adds a further one. So that's how we have 39 melochas. That's the remez from the words Eile hadvorim at the beginning of Parshas Vayakel. Communion. Shloishim Uteisha Ovois Melochis. That's the 39 headings in relation to the Torah prohibited activities uh, um, of Shabbos. Me'ata Noitim Anulafarish. And because of this, we have to obviously explain. Kiba Isai Ma'amachel Hakolas Am Yisrael. In this particular event, where there was this gathering of the nation of Israel, what did he do? The first thing he did, of course, Vayakel is the instruction and the construction of the Mishkan. But at the very first meeting that Moshe Rabbeinu had, this gathering of the Jewish people, what did he do? He gathered them together and instructed them on the laws of Shabbos. He uh, created for them the format that they would understand it of what it was that is prohibited on Shabbos. He listed for them the 39 melochas, and this is hinted at in the wording of this, the first posuk of Parshas Vayakel, which includes the words Eile Hadvarim, Eile 36, Hadvarim 3, add that together and it's 39. These are the forbidden 39 melochas of Shabbos. But, says the Mikdash Halevi, 
if you think about it, if this was the intent of this, the first posuk in Parshas Vayakel, it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't um, relate to the latter part of the posuk. In other words, there seems to be a dissonance between this idea of Elahadvarim being the 39 Melochus and the end of the posuk, which seems to be indicating something different. Because it says, Hashem Because what does it say at the end of the posuk? These are the things that God is commanding you to do. To do, not not to do, to do. If the whole intention of this this first posuk was to convey the idea of prohibited activities, it shouldn't say that these are the things that you should do. The truth is that these melochis are things that you're not permitted to do, that you cannot do. It's not suitable to use this language, this phrase, in relation to this tzivoy, which is the 39 melochis. When you're talking about prohibitions, you don't say you're going to do the prohibitions, you say you're not going to do the prohibitions. So the posuk is somehow doesn't the end doesn't relate to the beginning? That's the question the Mikdash Halevi asks. Lefichoch and therefore, bevadai leinu lekabel ki kavonas atorah kedusha lemitzvos chiyuviyos shenitztavinu aleim b'shabbos. Therefore, we have to accept that this pasuk is is contains something more, contains another message, and message the message is mitzvahs chiyuviyos. At this state, I'll translate it as obligatory mitzvahs, something relating to Shabbos which obligates us, which is an activity, something that we need to do. That's what it means. Lasos oisam. What are those mitzvahs chiyuviyos? And that's really what this piece of Mikdash Halevi is going to explore and explore it so beautifully. We're going to talk about mitzvahs, which, where the word where the word to do is relevant, is pertinent. So you can't say that the first part of the posuk doesn't fit the second part of the posuk. Somehow it's all connected. The prohibitions of Shabbos are going to be connected to the last race Oisam uh, at the end of the Posig. But Hainu, what we're we talking about. Shemuvad ha'isurim shenesru aleinu b'Shabbos. Besides for the prohibitions, which are of course prohibited for us when it comes to the day of Shabbos. Isurim ha'koylelim kol melacha sheyesh ba nishum yitzirah hadosha. What are these melachas? What are the melachas Shabbos? We know they're connected to all the activities relating to the construction of the Mishkan. By the way, that's why they appear or the idea appears at the beginning of Parshas Vayakel. It's all to do with creative activity, some type of new creation that is going to come about on Shabbos. Nothing, you're not allowed to create things, on, not create fire or remove fire. Because if you put a fire out, then the fire is no longer there. That's an activity that's prohibited on Shabbos. You're not allowed to light a fire on Shabbos because that's an activity that is creating something new. It's prohibited on Shabbos. So everything about the Melochis of Shabbos are to do with creating something new. There's many other Melochis, of course, I've just mentioned two. There's another 37. Nitztavinu af lekadesh es ha-Shabbos ba'ofen chiyuvi. 
in addition to the fact that we are prohibited from doing all these activities on Shabbos, there's something else involved here, and that is we are expected, we are in fact mandated to be makadesh the Shabbos, to sanctify the Shabbos in an active way, in a proactive way. So in the same way as we're prohibited from doing actions which create new things, we are instructed to sanctify the Shabbos in an active, in a proactive way on Shabbos. So we replace the inactivity of the prohibitions with the activity, the proactivity of being Makadesh the Shabbos. The whole point of Shabbos is to grant, to provide Shabbos with the Mashmos Ruchanis, that there's something spiritual we've added to the, we've elevated the Shabbos in a spiritual way. That's the foundation of the idea in this piece of Mikdash HaLevi. And now he goes on to elaborate. Let's think about truthfully in practical terms. If you want to know what's the most difficult thing about Shabbos, this idea, this demand, that every Jew is Makadesh the Shabbos, that he sanctifies the Shabbos, that he turns the Shabbos into a spiritual day, that is the hardest task relating to Shabbos. Do you know why? Shekein ha-menucha, to be in menucha, to be in a state of rest, which means ha-menos mimelocha, the fact that we abstain, the abstention from activity, e I know you're going to say, oh, it's very, very difficult. It's not that difficult. Not to do anything, to be told you're going to spend the next day, the next 24, 25 hours, not doing anything. You can't do anything. You don't have to do anything. Let's put it that way. You can rest. You don't have to touch anything. You have to do anything. You have to create anything. Everything's been done before Shabbos, and now it's going to be a 25-hour abstention from any activity. Imagine you were told that. It's not so hard. After all, we naturally like to take a rest. That's what we want to do. Sometimes it's nice to be told, you know what? You're not going to have to do anything for the next day. You've got no activity that's demanded of you in the next day. You don't want to work. You're going to be told you don't have to go to work. You know, it's today. It's a public holiday. Every week we have one day where nothing is open. You can't do anything and all activity is forbidden and prohibited. Well, fantastic. That means I can just put my feet up and have a lovely time. And all the food was prepared before Shabbos. All I need to go is to the fridge or the oven, which was on before Shabbos. I take the things out. I'm going to eat them. That's it. That's my whole activity on Shabbos is I'm just going to live and do whatever it is I want to do. And it's going to be a re- very restful day. That's not so difficult. Hamanucha shel haguf. Let's be honest about it. Well, I mean, what do we do when we go on vacation? We want to rest, we want to put our feet up, we want to sleep late, we want to, we want to go to bed early, we want to just have all the food, we go to a hotel, all the food is prepared, everything, you don't have to do anything, you don't have to clean up, somebody comes to clean up for you, everything is done for you, everything is ready, You're to- it's a total abstention from activity, that's what a vacation is. Imagine you are told once a week, Shabbos, it's a vacation, you don't have to do anything. That in and of itself is not so demanding. I know there's people, we want to do things, and we don't want to be cut off from the world around us, but in a sense, 
it feeds into to our natural desire to desist from the activities of the weekday. However, as Iker Chumis Halev Eifoy, therefore, what is the most um, the, the most attention that we have to give, What is it that we need to give the most attention to on Shabbos? It's not the abstention. It's not the 39 malachas. Actually, the most important task of Shabbos, the most difficult task of Shabbos, is to take this day and to elevate it, to make it much more than just a vacation day, a day off. We have to turn Shabbos into a spiritual, meaningful day every week. It's not something you do once a year. Every single week, Shabbos has to be special. That's the purpose of Shabbos. Now, the abstention from activity is one side of that. That gives you the platform, that gives you the ability to be Makadish the Shabbos. But being Makadish the Shabbos is actually the most important task and the hardest task. Makadish we have to Makadish the Shabbos in an active manner, in a proactive way. We have to give it a, a deep spiritual dimension. That's the purpose of Shabbos. That's really what Shabbos is about. Shabbos is not just a day off from the activities of the week. That's not why Hashem, as it were, rested on the seventh day of creation, that week of creation, six days were days of activity and creation, and the seventh day it says God rested. What does that mean, God rested? No, God doesn't rest. It was a day of pure spirituality. That's the purpose of the day. Now, in order to achieve that, we desist from all activities, from all creativity. But that doesn't mean that it's a day off. It's a day on for spirituality. Omnam. Zemirah Shabbos on Oimran, even if though we say in Zemirah Shabbos, one of the things we say that there are hirhurim mutarim, there are permitted thoughts and reflections, you can, for example, you can engage in, uh, in the activity of, of, um, of creating a match for your daughter. If you want to marry off your daughter, you're allowed to talk about that. It's a wonderful thing to do on Shabbos. Perhaps it's the time when you really have, uh, um, you have time to think about that. You have time to think about the activities you don't have time to think about during the week because you're so busy working, you're um, engaged in your parnosa or in running your home or whatever it is that you do. And on Shabbos you have time to think about other stuff because you don't have to do anything else. And that's permitted. So you see you have here hirhurim mutarim hirhurim you can see you're allowed to think about secular, as it were, secular things on Shabbos, things which relate to the weekday. You could say, well, I can't think about those things during the weekday, but I can think about them on Shabbos. That's permitted. Why is that? Do you know why? It's very difficult. It's almost impossible, in fact, to impose rules and regulations and what you're allowed to think about. I mean, what goes on in your brain goes on in your brain. What's in your head is in your head. And therefore, Shabbos, it's not forbidden to have um, hirhurim. You're allowed to have hirhurim. You're allowed to reflect on all kinds of matters on Shabbos. It's not forbidden. It's not one of the 39 malachas. Ulam aleinu but we have to understand. We really need to appreciate she'ein That's not the ideal state of mind on Shabbos. That now I'm, I've got Shabbos, 
I can read that book I've been saving up all week. That's not what Shabbos is about. It doesn't mean you're not allowed to read on Shabbos. It's not forbidden to read on Shabbos, but that's not the ideal. The ideal Shabbos is not about that. That's not the way Shabbos was formed. It's not the form that Shabbos should take. Imagine on Shabbos, somebody who's a businessman, do you know what he does on Shabbos? He reads the Financial Times and the Wall Street Journal, thinks about all his business activities that have been going on the week, makes decisions in his head. He doesn't write anything down. You're not allowed to write on Shabbos. It's one of the 39 malochas. And he's not getting on his phone and he's not talking to his work. He's sitting at home, but you know what he's thinking about? He's thinking about his business. Somebody owns a lot of property a lot of possessions. That's what he's thinking about Shabbos. How should I arrange all my possessions? What should I do? Those are things you're, by the way, allowed to think about on Shabbos. It's not forbidden to think about it, it but it's divrei choyl. It's not things which are relating to Shabbos, not relevant to Shabbos. Kedushosa shel Shabbos if that's what you're thinking about on Shabbos, what's going to happen to the sanctity of Shabbos? It's a day like any day of the week, except you're not writing and you're not on the phone, and you're not working in the office. It's a day off, but it's really a day on in your head. That's, that's maybe permitted. It's not forbidden, but it's not ideal. It's not Shabbos. The whole atmosphere of Shabbos, this elevated atmosphere of Shabbos, it's going to mean nothing. Come on. What's Shabbos going to look like if that's what you're going to do on Shabbos? If what, what drives you on Shabbos, what energizes you on Shabbos, or what distracts you on Shabbos, or what absorbs you on Shabbos is divrei chayl, even though it's hirhurim mutarim, that's not the ideal of Shabbos. That's not what Shabbos is about. That's not going to elevate your Shabbos. Do you know what the Mikdash HaLevi says? If our will, our desire, I know it is, our desire is to sanctify the Shabbos as it should be sanctified. What we need to do is we need to create a different frame of mind a totally different focus on Shabbos, which will turn it in a to into a totally different day from all the other days of the week. We have seven days during the week. We have Sunday through Friday. Those are days of, of activity. Then we have Shabbos. Shabbos is a totally different day. Shabbos is a day when you don't think about all those other things that you have during the week. That in and of itself is going to create an atmosphere, an avira of Shabbos. Now, one of the things you can do is you, is you have special foods which you eat on Shabbos. Why do we do that? Why do we have special foods relating to Shabbos that we don't have during the week? Because it creates an atmosphere. It, it, it actually, it triggers in you this feeling, oh, it's Shabbos today, because I don't eat these foods during the week. I eat them only on Shabbos. Shabbos becomes special because of the foods you eat, because of the the plates and the cutlery, the silverware that, and the glassware that you use on your table, you have a special tablecloth. There's a whole atmosphere that's created on Shabbos just by the things that you do which are unique to Shabbos. You, you are triggering in your mind a feeling, a special feeling towards the day. Because that will enable you 
to be more fussy about all the subjects that are going to be discussed. Shabbos. If you're sitting around a Shabbos table, which you don't normally do during the week, and you're eating using cutlery and plates and glassware that you don't usually use during the week, that will automatically elevate the moment and it will prompt discussions that are relevant to Shabbos, things that you don't normally talk about during the week. That's the purpose of having a Shabbos table. That's the purpose of having those special Shabbos foods. Zeloikal, zafilu kosher. You should know, says the Mikdash Levi, it's not easy. In fact, I would even say it's quite difficult. Do you know what? That's exactly what the Torah is instructing us to do. That's what the Torah demands of us when it says at the end of that first posuk of Vayakel, The things that I'm commanding you to do in relation to the space that has been created by the prohibitions, the 39 malachas. Now you've got to go ahead and do stuff which is going to create this atmosphere of Shabbos. Zuhi ha'asiyo these are the activities which you've been, as it were, been commanded, that you are instructed, that are mandated on you um, in relation to the day of Shabbos. It's not enough in terms of Kvoida Shabbos just to have meat and fish and all the good foods, excuse me. Zu eina meshima koikasha. Because that's not such a difficult task. Ulam. He eina mesapekes. There's no doubt. Yesh tsoirech bechvoid omakyoise. That we need, there is a need for a for a, a deeper form of respect for Shabbos. That's not just about the food that you eat, and the and the things that you do, the things that you do on Shabbos that create the atmosphere. There has to be a rememus penimis yoseh. There's got to be a, an an elevation that's much deeper, that's that's more internal, that's more meaningful. That is somehow going to promote the unique flavor, the unique aspect of this incredible day, of this elevated day, of this day that, that demands our um, deepest respect and, and a, a, a format that will turn us into different people on that day. That's why we see the Gemara in Shabbos, says, repeated in the name of Anyone who's Ma'aneg Shabbos. I'm not going to translate it yet, but you know that the word Oineg means pleasure. He will get a nachla, an inheritance, as it were. Nachla is, by the way, is a reference to to Olam Haba, and it will be without borders, without restrictions. 
What does it mean when it says kol hama'aneg? It's the wrong word. Ma'aneg is not the correct form that should be used for this um, concept of pleasure in Shabbos. What should what should Rabbi Yossi have said? Rabbi Yochanan repeated the words of Rabbi Yossi. What should Rabbi Yochanan have, uh, Rabbi Yossi have said? Kol hamisaneg b'Shabbos. Anyone who derives pleasure out of Shabbos, oineg Shabbos, that person is going to get nachla belimetzorim. His reward will be the nachla, the olam haba without borders. Because he took pleasure in Shabbos. What's ma'aneg? Ma'aneg is a different form of the same verb. What does ma'aneg mean? Ochein la'amitoy shel dova, says the Mikdash HaLevi. Truthfully, eina kavona lidroish meha'odom lis'aneg b'Shabbos. The intent here is not that people should um, derive pleasure out of Shabbos. By the way, it doesn't mean you're not meant to or you shouldn't. But that's not the meaning here. That's not what Rabbi Yossi meant, Vesuloi. In other words, that the only thing you do on Shabbos is you put your feet up and you have a day of rest. That's not the purpose of Shabbos. Zu'eina meshima murkeves shemagia godl. Do you know why? Because that's not such a complex task. That's not such a difficult thing to do, to put your feet up, have a day of rest, do nothing for 25 hours. Big deal! Uh, you know, you just took a rest. You didn't do anything. You took a vacation from the activities of your day-to-day -day life. That's not the biggest deal. That's not going to result in Nachala Belimetzorim. I'll tell you something else, says the Mikdash Alevi. It's not going to do anything in terms of giving um, kovoid, giving respect, giving the due respect to this incredible day. Just putting your feet up is resting. Yes, you'll be, you will be a misaneg b'shabbos, but you're not ma'aneg esa shabbos. Kavanas chazal, do you know what Rabbi Yossi meant? He not lemisha ma'aneg kol mashe kosher l'shabbos. Imagine that everything that's connected to shabbos turns into a pleasure. Everything that one should do or one can do to turn the shabbos into a special day is the pleasure that is derived from Shabbos. You are ma'aneg esa Shabbos. You have turned the Shabbos into a day of pleasure. Not because you've taken pleasure in the fact that you've done nothing. By doing all the things that you're doing, you've turned it into a day of pleasures, of all different things that can be done to elevate the day into the level that it should be. The, by the activities that you have done, you have created an atmosphere that is elevated in its nature. Everything that you're doing about the Shabbos is turning it into something special. Zuhi Mashima Kosheba MS. That's a truly difficult task. That's not an easy thing to do. And therefore, it makes perfect sense that Rabbi Yossi would have said that you're going to get, as a result of this, the reward of Nachla Belimetzorim, of an inheritance in Olam Haba without borders, with no restrictions. And with this idea, we can explain another Mamar Chazal, another reference in the Talmud, which really requires explanation. And many people have asked this question, and the Mikdash Halevi gives an absolutely unique answer. Omar Rabbi Yochanan, 
Another quotation from Rabbi Yochanan, Omar Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, in the name of Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai. Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, the author of the Zohar and the Talmud Muvak of Rabbi Akiva. This is what he said. If only the Jewish people would keep two Shabbosos, two Shabboses, as they ought to, miyad nig olim, immediately they would be redeemed. Mashiach would come and we would live in the Ikvasa de Mashiach. We would be in the Messianic era. An incredible promise. All we need is two Shabboses. That's what he says. Everybody asks the question, Why do we need two Shabboses? Why isn't one enough? Surely one Shabbos would be sufficient if everybody among the Jewish people, every single person who is obligated to observe Shabbos would keep one Shabbos. Why wouldn't that be enough for us to be in the Messianic era for Mashiach to come? Why is one Shabbos not enough to generate the uh, redemption, the final redemption, the Bias Goyal Tzedek? But suddenly, if you kept two, one isn't enough. Oh, mm. But if you keep two, then that's enough. Why two? Why not three or five or ten? What is it about this number two that makes the observance of Shabbos by the Jewish people so special? That's a question, by the way, that's not just asked by the Mikdash Alevi. Many people ask this question. Many commentaries have tried to answer this puzzle of the quotation by Rabbi Yochanan of Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai. V'yesh Loimar says the Mikdash Halevi she'ein akavona You're making a mistake. It's not talking about two separate days of Shabbos. Kafisha onu mevinim zois as we would naturally understand the word shnei shtei shabbosos. Kloima shnei yemei shabbos. Two days of shabbos. Hakavona hi leshmiras oisos shabbos. The kavona is only about one shabbos. Bishnei mishoyim, but in in two separate spheres. There's two elements of Shabbos, there's two aspects of Shabbos, as reflected in this first pasuk of Parshas Vayakel. There is the tzivoy about the Eilahad Vorim, the 39 Malachas, and then there's the Lasseis Oisam about elevating the day of Shabbos. That's two separate aspects of Shabbos that Moshe delivered to the Jewish people in this speech that he gave about the construction of the Mishkan. What's the one that we all recognize, the one that we're most familiar with, is the fact that we need to refrain from all the prohibitions of Shabbos. You're not allowed to do the 39 Malochas. And there's the other aspect of Shabbos which we are instructed to do, which we are mandated to turn the Shabbos from an ordinary day, like a weekday, into something which is elevated, spiritual, special, and where we can connect to Hashem. That's two Shabboses. There's the Shabbos of not doing the Malachas, and then there is the Shabbos of elevating today the day. So it's not just a day off, but it's a day on. It's a day where we are observing the Shabbos through having elevated every aspect of our day so that we become closer to Hashem. Im Yishmur Eifa Yisrael Shabbos Achas. If you only keep the one Shabbos, um, then it's not good enough. But if in one Shabbos, 
In other words, if you just keep the Shabbos by not doing the Melochus, that's not sufficient. However, in Yishmu Eifa Yisrael Shabbos Achas, but if on one Shabbos all the Jewish people would keep the Shabbos in both aspects of the Shabbos, by refraining from the 39 Melochus on the one hand, and on the other by observing the Shabbos in such a way that it becomes an elevated day, as it says in the Pasuk, and that's what Rabbi Yochanan is saying by quoting Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, one Shabbos, no Malochus, total elevation, then Mashiach would come right away. Let's look at another piece from the Mikdash Alevi. Again, the first posuk, Moshe gathered the Jewish people, began the instructions for how they should construct the Mishkan. Rashi. What does Rashi say? Moshe, he gathered the people. Moshe gathered the people. When was this? So we have a timestamp. Rashi gives us a timestamp that this occurred exactly at the moment when he came down from Har Sinai on Motza Yom Kippur. This was, don't forget, he went three times up Har Sinai. Shvuas, 40 days, 40 nights, comes down. It's Egel, goes back up for 40 days and 40 nights to beg for forgiveness, and then goes back up again for 40 days and 40 nights, gets the second Luchos, comes down on Motza Yom Kippur. That's the story of when this happened. So we have the timestamp given to us by Rashi. Says the Mikdash Alevi, Hari Lonu Dova Pele. When we hear this, when we know that that's when this happened, it's, it's beyond fascinating. It's almost inconceivable. Dovar Pele. Moshe Rabbeinu Yorid Meharsinai Lemochras Yom Moshe Rabbeinu comes down from Hasinai on Motzi Yom Kippur, the day after Yom Kippur. He'd been up at the top of the mountain, hadn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. Nothing. He'd fasted. What's the first thing that he does? He gathers the entire nation. 600,000 men. We know that's the number. So you can instruct them right away how to build the Mishkan. That's no simple matter. To give them all the detailed instructions about how they can bring all the stuff in and what needs to be done with it and how they should put the Mishkan together, that's not a simple matter. Was this so urgent that he needed to do it right away? Why didn't he give himself a day or two break? He could rest, put his feet up. And during that time, he can gather his thoughts and he can decide exactly how he's going to give the State of the Union address so that he can give the instructions for the building of the Mishkan. He didn't, he, did he need to do it right away? Came down from the mountain and without even a minute, he gathers the people together and gives them this instruction? Unbelievable. Zeus for Oid. And there's more to this. Vemeshech chodshayim vochetzi. Within two and a half months, about ten weeks, from Yom Kippur until Kofhei Kislev, which we know is the first day of Hanukkah. There was no Hanukkah then, but on the 25th of Kislev, do you know what happened? Everything that was needed for the construction of the Mishkan was complete. Let's be honest, this was an unbelievable task to take it from raw materials 
to all the stuff that needs to be put together and then actually have it ready within two and a half months. I'd like a contractor like that, wouldn't you? That sounds unbelievable. To the logistics, the management, the, the, the ability to put, put, put this project together and create something from the ground up in two and a half months, something so significant, unbelievable. This complex, this complicated task to complete it. We're not talking, we're talking about artistry. We're talking about um, the, the work of experts to put it all together. Just in two and a half months. How did they do it? But there's a much bigger question. Why? What was the rush? What was the hurry? Where's the urgency here? Who's pressing them? Who's pushing them? Where's the pressure? Why did it have to be done so quickly? If it would be the case that immediately after the creation of the Mishkan, immediately the next day, it began its function, it began to be used regularly every single day to bring Korbanus and to do all the other activities of the Mishkan, okay, maybe it would make sense. That was the urgency. We can understand that every single carbon, every individual carbon, and every aspect of the service of the Mishkan, of the Beis Hamikdash, of the Temple, the Sanctuary, it's something that's more precious than gold. This beautiful reference, uh, it is a posuk in Eicha in Perik Dalad. Uh, uh, posuk base. Look it up. That's where this expression of Yesulaba Paz comes from. But it's some, of course, every carbon is more precious than gold. In order to increase the number of days of the Avoida, one can understand that uh, it's so important that that's why there's an urgency. We can understand why there would have been this urgency and what this rush that, uh, that enabled the Mishkan to be created in such a short time. We would get it. But what's absolutely astounding is the fact is that immediately after the Mishkan, all the aspects of the Mishkan were finished. Who come Adler Nisan? It wasn't established as a place where all the service was done until Rishchodesh Nisan. A few months later, we do the math. It was a, quite a long time later. Chafei Kislev, all the way through to Rishchodesh Nisan, nothing happened. The Mishkan wasn't used at all. Rak Berishon Lechodesh We know that it was the first of the first month of the second year after Yetzias Mitzrayim. Moshe Rabbeinu Heikim Esa Mishkan. That's when Moshe Rabbeinu took all the uh, different materials of the Mishkan, put them all together, and then the Mishkan began to be used. Vad Oz, who Omad Beli Shimush. Until then, all these things, these bits and pieces that had been created, were there, they were ready to assemble, but they had not been assembled, and they certainly weren't used. Im Kane, Eifa, if that's the case, 
שבו שובו קושיוסינו וגם ניצובו. Our question is even stronger. It's much more profound. What was the rush? Why would there be this, this hurry that they needed to do it right away? What is the pressure here? Where, where is this coming from? Why do they feel pressurized that they needed to create the Mishkan so quickly? Moshe comes down from the mountain. He's, he's hardly had a piece of bread and a drink of water. And already he's, he's instructing for the creation of the Mishkan. Immediately... Afterwards, they begin the creation of the Mishkan, and two and a half months later, there it is, everything's ready. But then the Mishkan doesn't get put up until Nisan. What is going on here? Venera says the Mikdash Alevi, uh, it's unbelievable. From this, it would appear there's a powerful lesson here for all of us. Do you know what the lesson is? It's about Zrizus. about the fact that when something is important, you should do it as quickly as possible. You should know Zerizus is not something about reaching a specific goal or hitting a specific target or having done something by a specific time. You know the Zerizus here and our Zerizus should be. It's a, a goal in and of itself. It is something that we need to take in. A, when something is important, it needs to get done. It's not about getting it done by a specific time. It's about getting it done. That's important. When God commands us to do something, we have to do it as quickly and as urgently as possible. Just as one would imagine. One should behave when getting a commandment from the Melech Malchem Amlochim, from the king of the kings of kings. That's the point of this particular lesson. The fact that Moshe Rabbeinu comes down from the mountain and gives the tzivoy right away is because that's what's expected when you get a tzivoy from Hashem. The fact that they did it so quickly and it was ready long before it was going to be put up, that's a lesson of Zrizus. That's why it's so important. Gamim Azrizus Hazu'eno Mevi'ah called to Ellis, even if this Zrizus has no particular immediate purpose. It's Zrizus in and of itself. Gamim Hiloi Tkadimes Interesim Shal Ish, even if there's, there's, uh, there's, it's not going to somehow uh, uh, um, uh, forward the interests of any particular person. It's not going to, you know, you're not going to reach a particular target at a particular time and make somebody happy as a result of doing it this way. No, there's no urgency. Actually, that's the lesson of Zrizus. There's zero urgency and yet you did it. It's important in and of itself because you need to respect Hashem. This Zerizus is about Hashem. It's about our relationship with God. We have to also realize that this is, I mean, we just looked at one aspect of this, says the Mikdash Alevi. This is not the only thing that is incredible what Moshe Rabbeinu did in terms of I mean, in terms of the instruction to build the Mishkan, it's remarkable in and of itself. On this particular day when he came down from Mount Sinai. He did other things on that day. Like you'd think, okay, this was his activity of the day. He came down from Mount Sinai. This is what he did. Unbelievable. His achievement is incredible. 
But says the Mikdash Alevi, it's not the only thing he did on that day. Do you know how we know? It's a posuk. It says in Parshas Yisrael, Sharei Elba Parshas Yisrael Neymar. It says previously in Parshas Yisrael, look it up, Yimi Mochras Vayoshav Moshe Lishbait Es Ha'am. And it was the following day, Mimacharas, and Moshe Rabbeinu sat down to act as a judge for the people. And from morning until night, the nation was standing before Moshe, and he was seeing people, and they were queuing up. They were lining up to see him, and he saw them, and they asked him questions. He answered them, then he saw the next one, he saw the next one, he saw the next one. So that's what it says in the Posseg in Parshas Yisra. It says, Rashi, Vayihimi Mimacharas. The Sifri, the Medrash, tells us, do you know what day that was? It was Yom Kippur. It was the same day as he gave the instruction for the Mishkan. That was the day he sat as a shofet for the entire nation. On the same day that he came down from Mount Sinai, he speak He quickly gathered everyone together, 600,000 people, couldn't have been an easy task, and instructed them about how to construct the Mishkan. And also at the same time, he sat down and acted as a judge for the people, single, single judge. And that's what Asher Yisrael Sava, Shetigrom Lekresosa Mukhletes, he thought that if, if Moshe Rabbeinu continues in this way, it's going to result in his total collapse. He's not going to be able to cope. So, but you see, it all happened on the same day. He gave the instruction for the Mishkan and all the things we've learned so far. And also he sat as a judge. He, he, didn't, he didn't then go home to his tent and put his feet up. No, he continued to work throughout the day until the night. Kate sad novindos. How can we understand this? Asks the Mikdash Alevi. How is it possible that Moshe Rabbeinu could have completed these tasks, to have, to have gone about these tasks during the course of just one day? And this is after having fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He must have been weakened by his experience. How is that possible? How can we explain it? How are we to understand it? Says the Mikdash HaLevi to this question. There's only one singular answer. That's it. He had assistance from Hashem. Hashem acted as the Koyach that generated the Koyach in Moshe Rabbeinu so that he could do the things that he did. The Torah itself says, and this is in Bamidba Perikut Base, Posuk Zain. That's what the Posuk says. My servant Moshe is like no one else. In my entire house, he is a Neemon. He is some, he's a trusted servant. He is the best. He is the highest. He is the most incredible. He's the personal servant of God. He's not one of the team of servants. He is the closest thing to God that we've ever had in, the, in uh, humanity and for us as the Jewish people. And as a Neemon of Hashem, you have to understand that the fact that he was able to achieve all the things that he achieved so incredibly effectively was because he had the personal assistance 
somehow he had that energy that was given to him by God. It was Siata Dishmaya, pure and simple. Siata Dishmaya she'efshur ifshur alay la'asayz ma'asim she'onu einenu yecholim litvais es hikufam. And we cannot possibly conceive of the scope of all the things that he was able to do in the period of time that we see that he managed to do them. That was Moshe Rabbeinu. That's what made him so special. That's what made him the Eved Nemon Beis Hashem. One last thing. We see that immediately after Moshe Rabbeinu gave his speech about how to construct the Mishkan, the entire congregation of Israel left from Moshe, from before Moshe, and they went on their way. We need to explain why does the Torah need to tell us this obvious fact? What's the obvious fact? Uh, um, that the, the Jewish people left from Moshe after he finished his speech. And what do you think they were going to do? Keep on sitting there? I mean, what were they going to do? They're twiddling their thumbs and waiting for him to give another speech. And of course, when he's finished, they got up and they left. And this dovetails with what we've already said. It, it makes perfect sense. The Torah wants to um, praise the Jewish people. That immediately after Moshe Rabbeinu had completed his speech, that um, the instructions of God, in terms of what they needed to give in order for the Mishkan to be built. Each one of them got up, went to his camp, encampment, went to his home. They learned this lesson from Moshe Rabbeinu. He is, he's got Zerizas, we're going to have Zerizas. Immediately after he finished, they got up, they left, they went home and began to collect the items that were required in order for the Mishkan to be built. They didn't dawdle even for one moment. I mean, we know that it happens after shul is finished on a Shabbos. People hang around, they're still schmoozing to each other. They don't rush off immediately. Here they rushed off, there was no schmoozing. They went off immediately and got to the task at hand. They got up immediately and they left from Moshe. And they only returned when they had the gift in their hand. We'll leave it here for today. Thank you so much for listening, for watching this week's Parsha Shir. And thank you so much for enjoying the words of my grandfather Sefer, the Mikdash Halevi.